Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Today is known as the Sunday of the Good Shepherd, and we've had numerous readings this morning about Christ the Good Shepherd in Matins. We had two readings as well that focused on this same theme, Jesus our Shepherd, the Good Shepherd who loves and protects and gathers his sheep together into one sheepfold who lays down his life for his sheep, not only in our gospel, but also in our epistle reading from 1 Peter this same theme is hinted at. When we think of Christ as our good shepherd, the good shepherd who lives, gives his life for the sheep, this may conjure up images of ourselves as cuddly little lambs, snuggling in the arms of the Savior, warm and well-fed, frolicking in a bucolic pasture. Not only is this not the reality of our lives, as we can all attest, This is not the image given in the scriptures either. Wherever it came from, it didn't come from Jesus or the apostles. And I think when we get, maybe when we get resentful toward God, that this is not the reality of our lives, frolicking along in bucolic pastures. Like, what is this all about? You promised, good shepherd, good shepherd. You know, this sounds very... Beautiful and easygoing, peaceful streams, and all of this. And that is the image sort of painted in in some of the passages as well. And we say, Lord, what's going on here? And he said, don't get mad at me. I never promised you that. That is not what I said. That is not what I said. What I said was, I will send you out as lambs among wolves. That's what he said. You know, we read that passage this week when we celebrated the feast for St. Mark. St. Mark was one of the 70, and that's where that passage is. And it struck me, actually, it struck me. He said, here's Jesus who loves his little lambs. He loves his little lambs. And he's promised to protect us from the big bad wolf. And he tells his little lambs right before he sends them out as he's preparing them to go preach the gospel, He says, I send you out, my little lambs, as lambs among wolves. He's the one that sent us out into the wolves. That's our good shepherd. The good shepherd, he stays with the sheep. He doesn't flee. He's not like the hireling. And he gives his life for them. And he gathers them into one sheepfold. That's the same good shepherd. The one who loves and protects the sheep that sends us out among the wolves. And he says in there, in many passages, he sends, us, sends them out to stand trial, to be scourged, to be thrown out of the synagogue, even to be killed. We might protest. <laughs> Wait a minute. This doesn't fit my image. What I was expecting from the good shepherd to be protected not to be thrown to the wolves. In our epistle of St. Peter, his first epistle here, St. Peter is near the end of his life when he's writing this, and he's writing to his flock. 
And he's encouraging them to persevere because they're facing a great time of trial and temptation and suffering, persecution. At this point, when he writes this, the great apostle, he had served his Lord for some 30 years by now. And he is approaching the eve of his own execution. He admonishes his flock that they were called for the very purpose, for the very purpose of suffering with Christ, that they might also be glorified with him. That's a main theme in his epistle. And as he does this, as he admonishes and strengthens them, he's strengthening himself with the same resolve because he will shortly go to his own death. In this passage, he admonishes the servants how to be obedient to their master. Uh, the, the few verses right before our reading this morning picked up. The context is, he's saying, as servants, you need to learn how to be obedient to your master. Whether your master is good and gentle, or whether your master is harsh. In either case, you are to be obedient. Now I want you to keep in mind, I'm going to read the first verses before we started our lesson this morning. Keep in mind the image of the good shepherd who loves his sheep. And this is an image not only of Jesus, this is also an image particularly of St. Peter. Okay? Which we'll point out in a moment. He says in verse 20, For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And this is where our reading picked up this morning. Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. So basically, if you get a beating for misbehaving and endure it patiently, so what? There's no praise or glory and credit in that. It's just a wash. <laughs> That's pretty much what he says. But if you're mistreated unfairly and you endure suffering patiently with grace and dignity without reviling, but rather as an opportunity to put your trust in God with patience. Endure with patience. And thus demonstrate the power and love of God through patience. He says this is commendable. This is acceptable and commendable before God. The word commendable is a surprising word. It's charis. Grace. This is grace before God. When you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is grace before God. This holy, patient suffering attracts the grace of God in our lives. It is pleasing. It is pleasing. It is pleasing because patient, enduring suffering, it heals us. It is what heals us. It transforms us. It is the working out of our salvation. This is what makes us like Jesus. And that's the whole point. That's the point of what St. Peter says in this. And that's the point of our lives. In fact, it is to be made like Jesus. It is to be Christified. To be made Christ. And if we're going to be little Christ's, we have to be like him in every way. We have to be conformed to him. 
It's a deep work of the Spirit. It's not, you know, moralism, which is just outward mimicry. It is an inner transformation. You know, we could all go out and get a one-piece tunicle and a pair of, you know, Birkenstock sandals and walk around, you know, maybe grow our beards and hair long and say, well, we're being like Jesus. Well, that's not going to do the trick. There has to be an opportunity for patient suffering, enduring, enduring suffering and trial in this life with patience, with trust towards God. St. Peter says, for this, for this you were called. Why? Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. You have to become like Jesus. You have to do what he did. That's why we fast and we stay up late. We pray. And that's why we, we don't revile back. That's why we turn the other cheek. That's why we endure. We endure patiently all of the trials of this life. He was reviled and he did not revile back. He was attacked and he did not retaliate. Rather, he bore our sins in his body on the tree. He bore them. He took them. He received them. He let it be. He allowed them to land and penetrate his own body on the tree. He could have called 10,000 angels. He did not. He let it be. He took what was dealt unto him willingly and took it upon himself and thus destroyed its power. And now, our good shepherd, who is also, at the same time of being a good shepherd, he's also that apocalyptic warrior lamb who has vanquished hell, destroyed sin's power. He sends us off now in this new age, this new covenant in the kingdom of God to frolic beside the stream in green pastures. No, he doesn't. He sends us off now among wolves. Armed with the same purpose. Armed with the same intent with which he came. To, as St. Paul says, shockingly says, to fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. What is lacking in the sufferings of Christ is nothing Nothing is lacking in his sufferings, but what is lacking is our participation in his sufferings. His sufferings without our participation, there's something lacking. Our participation is necessary, and we cannot be perfected without it. It is the necessary component for our union with God. Our love, our trust in God. It must be demonstrated, manifest, realized, come brought to life, formed through patient obedience under trial. This is very practical stuff. Patient obedience, patient enduring obedience under trial. This is now possible because our good shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep and he's destroyed the real enemy, the real wolf, the stony heart, the old man, 
hell and Satan destroyed. There are wolves about, yes, wolves, but for us, they're toothless, toothless wolves. They can't really, they're all bark and no bite. Oh, they can kill the body, but they can do nothing to the soul. I mean, this body, it's like a paper plate that, you know, you ate lasagna on. It's all, it's ruined. Just throw it in the trash. You're going to get a new one. You're going to get a new body. There's an eternal kingdom. So the wolves can kill the body, but they can do nothing to harm the soul. Peter concludes this chapter 2 in our reading today by reminding his little flock, you were sheep gone astray, but now you are returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. This image of shepherd and sheep, as I said, it shows up here in our epistle as well as our gospel on this Sunday of the Good Shepherd. This is a life-defining metaphor for the Apostle Peter. And as he writes these words, no doubt, he has in mind his encounter with the risen Christ some 30 years earlier. Early one morning, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Peter encountered the risen Lord Something he would, I'm sure, never forget. Something I'm certain that he is recollecting as he writes these words. A few days after the resurrection, we read about how Peter decided to go fishing. And several others followed him. They fished all night. They caught nothing. Jesus then appeared and he performed that great miracle. Told them and they caught the great catch. Jesus was on the shore making breakfast. Emerald had nothing on Jesus. Bam. You know, he... I wonder how that tasted. I'm a little bit of a foodie. And all that. It's probably pretty good. Was not overcooked. And he taught them. He's making their breakfast for them. And he taught them that they were no longer fisher of fishermen. But that they were rather now fishers of men. And St. Peter himself... Importantly, Peter was instructed to bring the large catch of fish to Jesus, basically as an offering. This is the offertory, which we'll do in the Mass, as he brought the fish. Jesus supplied the fish, but Peter brought it as an offering to Christ. So this, this encounter here on the beach with Jesus, you know, he's got his apron on, he's cooking up some fish. It's playful, it's joyful, very joyful and playful, many of these Encounters we read about these post-resurrection encounters are very light-hearted and very joyful. But the mood of this scene abruptly changes. And so does the metaphor. He goes from talking about fishermen to shepherds. They finish their breakfast and Jesus turns to Simon Peter and he asks him a question. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Peter was grieved. Stung him when he said that the third time. Really stung him. Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, 
feed my sheep. And Jesus proceeded to tell Peter that he was going to be bound and taken in places he did not wish to go, and that eventually, as he became an old man, he would be crucified for his Lord. So the playfulness of the first half of the story makes part two of the story all the more solemn. And Jesus asks Peter these three questions, and the reason it stung is because it reminded Peter of his denial, his three-time denial, that bitter, bitter denial, which St. Peter carried with him his whole life. Jesus takes Peter back to that devastating night, and through these questions and Peter's affirmation of his love for Jesus, he restores Peter. And then he predicts his death. Peter's love for Christ is going to be manifest because Peter is also a shepherd under Christ to the flock. And Peter too will give his life for the sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. You too will be taken and crucified as was your Lord. There is absolutely no disconnect between love for Jesus and love for the sheep. And this love that he calls us to have one for another, it is as serious as death itself. So 30 years after this event on the shore there of Galilee, the Apostle Peter is writing to his flock, they're suffering, they're tempted to scatter, they're tempted to give up, to give in. And he recalls how he was called to care for the sheep, how Christ cared for the sheep and laid down his life. And he remembers Jesus' teaching them how they are to remain as one fold, one flock, with one shepherd, and how he will be also called to give and make the ultimate sacrifice. And he tells his flock, he said, you have been called also to do this, to imitate Christ, to imitate me as I imitate Christ, to endure, to endure the trials and the suffering in this life, in righteousness, to remain together, to remain close to the shepherd and to the sheep. Jesus died and he rose again in order to create us, to create this community, to create one flock, one sheepfold. And there's no doubt that St. Peter understood that for him to love Christ meant for him to love the church and to suffer for her just as Christ had suffered for her. St. Augustine teaches us this in his beautiful phrase, Totus Christus, the head and the body. The head and the body equals the whole Christ. You can't separate the head from the body. The church and Christ. Christ and his church are one. He says, then let us rejoice and give thanks that we are made not only Christians, but Christ. Do you understand, brothers, and apprehend the grace of God upon us? Marvel and be glad. We are made Christ. For if he is the head, we are the members. The whole man is he and we, the fullness of Christ. Then is head and members. Head and members, what is that? 
Christ and the church. So arm yourselves. If our good shepherd gave his life for the sheep, he calls the sheep to follow in his footsteps, to be Christified, to be little Christs, to be one with the shepherd. And likewise, we must give our lives out of love by patiently enduring, by trusting Christ, by loving one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.